Okay, sometimes when we're, we've got a real happy sermon, you know, I'll try to get you warmed up by saying amen. This is a weird sermon. You're going to be happy half of the time this morning. Half of the time. And it's going to be gender division this morning, okay? So let's begin with you, just to get you warmed up. Women, say amen. amen. Okay, men, let's outdo them. Guys on the front row, y'all are men, so y'all help me this morning, okay? Say, men. Amen. Men won, clearly, decisively on that. Now, okay, we're going to talk about uh, marriage this morning. There's a, there's a new book out by uh, the preacher David Platt, and the book is titled Counterculture. I've not read the book. I've read some summaries of it, and what I've read, it, it sounds very good. Platt's premise is that Christianity when truly lived out, is counter to the culture. It's, it's counter to the ways of the world. And I think that's true. Counter does not mean negative. It, 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 does, it just means it's different than the ways of the world. And, and we've been talking about relationships the last four or five weeks. And a lot of the way that God says for us to do relationships is counter to what the world says. This morning when we talk about marriage, I promise you it, it is counterculture. We're going to be in Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, but, but listen, I want to tell you this, if you'll hang with me till the end of the sermon, hang with me, I think what you'll see is that God's way is counterculture, but it is the way that marriages were intent, intended to be. In fact, I want to start with this great and lasting marriages are done God's way. I put two words in there because some people stay married for a long time and they hate each other. The goal is not just to endure. It is to have a great marriage all the way through. And that, that is possible. We're, we're going to start Ephesians 5 and we're going to start in verse 22 eventually. But I want to start in verse 31 and begin with this. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, very interesting, that is a, a, a quotation from Genesis chapter 2. If you don't know much about the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 is the first chapter in the Bible. I heard a news commentator say recently he, about marriage, he said, well, marriage is just kind of a modern invention. I thought, Oh my goodness, marriage started with Adam and with Eve. Now, y'all know the story that, that God made a woman from a rib. Y'all know that story? Now, what you probably don't know is there's a little deeper thing that's hidden in the scriptures that you have to be a paid professional like me to be able to find this. But what actually happened originally is God and Adam were talking and God said, look, buddy, I'm going to make you a woman. And I'm, she's going to be awesome. I mean, you're going to wake up in the morning and breakfast is going to be done. And I know some of you guys are going, oh my goodness. And, uh, and, then, and then she's going to have your clothes laid out. You're going to go out work in the field. She's going to show up at 10 o'clock and she's going to bring you sweet tea and even like a piece of pie. And then you're going to come in at lunch and she's going to wipe the sweat off your brow, have your lunch ready. You're coming in the evening. She'll cook for you. She'll have your bath ready. It's going to be unbelievable. And Adam said, what is this going to cost me? He said, an arm and a leg. And Adam said, what can I get for a rib? 
Sorry, look, girls, I'm, that's just a joke. Don't be mean. Don't, that's just a joke. That's a funny. That really's not in the Bible. I didn't really find that this week, and it's never been found before. Marriage is in trouble. It's in trouble in our world. But the, the interesting thing, 2,000 years ago, when these words that we're fixing to see, which are counterculture, were written, marriage was in bad, bad shape. Jesus and Paul lived as Jewish people in a Greco-Greece, a Grecian-Roman world. And so here's how marriage looked like if you were a Jewish person. Remember, Paul and Jesus were Jews. The lady had hardly any rights at all. And the man could divorce his wife for anything. And very easily, Neil, I'm going to pick on you and Jennifer. Let's say this morning, Jennifer cooks Neil Pop-Tarts and she burns them. Neil can come to me as his rabbi today. I can write out a writ of divorce. He can take it. He can get two people to witness it. And by noon, you can be at a swinging singles bar. I mean, you, that's how easy divorce was. It, was. it was incredibly easy. And again, the man could divorce his wife for almost anything. The woman had very few rights in that. The Greek culture, again, that Jesus lived in was not much better at all. In fact, here's how a Greek marriage looked. The woman basically was in charge of the kids in the house. She stayed at home. She took care of the kids in the house. The man had a concubine, uh, uh, basically women on the side that may have even lived with him that he, ha- he, he had on the side for sexual purposes. And then when the man is out about town, if he wants to visit a prostitute, that was fully acceptable. The woman was basically supposed to be seen and not heard and not even heard very much. And the Roman people, were, it, it was just as bad. For many centuries, the Roman people had done very well with marriage. But by Jesus' day, they had blown up. In fact, there is a, 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 a historical record of a lady who was getting married to a man in Jesus and Paul's day. It was her 23rd husband, and it was his 21st wife. Wow. They knew about marriage trouble, didn't they? But see, today, we got 180 or 190 countries in the world, and America has the fifth highest divorce rate. And what statistics tell us is that, that a couple gets married today, first marriage, that it's not quite at 50%, but it's about 45%, almost a coin toss whether they'll stay married. Second marriage, it's about 65% that they'll divorce. Third, it gets up to 70. Let me say this. You're here this morning and you're single. A lot of you are single and you want to be married. You need to hear what God has to say on this subject. Some of you are single and you don't ever want to be married. There are married people who understand exactly how you feel today. But you need to hear this so you can help people. You may say, I'm never going to marry again. That's cool. But you have people that you need to give this advice for. If you're divorced, you've had bad issues in your past, we're not trying to kick you at all. That is never our purpose here at this church. Our purpose is to help you get your past right and to move forward positively with Jesus. Some of you are saying, you know what? You're going to talk about marriage. My marriage started bad, and it's not been good for many years. I want to show you a video that will make you feel better about how your marriage started. Chloe, will you have Keith to be your wedded husband, to live together in the covenant of marriage? Will you love him, comfort him, honor and keep him in sickness and in health? And forsaking all others, be faithful to him as long as you both shall live. The rings, please. Oh. 
Okay, <laughs> I've watched that 20 times this week, and I laugh every time. I'm looking at some of the couples I've married out here. Joey and Landry are sitting here, and I married them. And I'm thinking, you know, that would have been really funny, except that would have been Landry and me in the water, and Joey would have been talking about laughing. That would not have been funny. But no matter how your marriage started off, it did not start off at that level. Would you agree with that? Okay. Let's start with the women. Let's start with the women. Now, women, I'm asking you, please stay with me because you're going to get frustrated. Your husbands are fixing to be really happy, and you're going to be a little bit exasperated with me. In fact, my wife has told me in the past, when you preach on this, you, you just like it too much. You just like it too much. Honey, hang with me, okay? Start with the women. Number one, the husband is God's leader in the home, okay? Now, to understand this, you've got to stay with me. Verse 22 Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. The word submit is not talking about doormat. It's not talking about dictatorship. It's talking about order. It's talking about somebody willingly deciding to let someone else lead. Now, it says as to the Lord. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you're following your husband like he's God, like he's Jesus, or like you follow Jesus. It's saying, listen, this is very important. It's saying you follow your husband. And by the way, men, you follow the leaders in your life in a way to honor God. When you, when you honor God by honoring your husbands, you honor other people. And you honor God when you honor all the other people in your life. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body. Now, I've heard it said for years, the man's the head, the wife's the neck. The neck turns the head and controls the head. Well, that may be true. But he's saying here that, that, again, this is talking about leadership. This is not talking about dictatorship. In verse 24 Now, as the church submits to Christ, so the wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, how does this play out? Well, it plays out very practically. God is a God of order, okay? God has laid out in the Bible, God has laid in in the Bible that, that we all have authorities in our lives, that we have government authorities, we have bosses, uh, mom and dad are to be the leaders of their kids, that, that men certainly are be, are be under authority. There's authority at church. There's authority on your sports teams. And, and there's leadership at, at the house. And what God is saying, God's way, totally counterculture, totally counterculture, is that the husband is not supposed to be the dictator, the dominant bully. He is supposed to be the leader, okay? Now, This is a very important part of this. Is there ever a time not to follow your husband? And I put in bold there, yes. Absolutely, there's a a time not to. When when would you not follow your husband? When would you not follow any leader in your life? When they ever try to lead you against this right here. When they try to lead you against God. Now listen, this is the truth. Some of you, and some, some of you, it's you men... You got leaders in your life, and you are looking for a reason not to follow them. You're just wanting them to do something where you can say, I don't have to follow you. You don't have to follow you, whether, whether it's in the community, whether it's wherever it is. And what God is saying here, what God, the principle of God, listen, if your husband, ladies, if your husband was leading you against the Lord, you don't follow. When I was a young pastor, I had a lady come to me. And she had become a Christian. 
Her husband had not become a Christian. They didn't get married with, with the, the God thing in there. This was new to their relationship. And so she's coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. She's given a tenth of her money to God. She's coming to a visitation. She's at church three or four times a week. And her husband says he's tired of it. And he says, you don't need to do that. You, you're gone too much. I don't want you going to church anymore. I want you here. She said, what should I do? I said, here's what you do. I say, you be the best, best wife you can be to him. But you've got to tell him he's number two after Jesus. I said, on Sunday morning, you get up and you come to church. Now, I'm a little bit weird. I said, you, you come back to church on Sunday night too. I said, the rest of the week, I don't want to see you here. Don't come on Wednesday. Don't come to visitation. You give him six days a week, but you tell him on Sundays that you're going to come to church. Now, they did money the way I don't think couples should do them. They split her money, his money. And she said, should I give a tithe of my money, 10% to the church? I said, yes, you sure should. But I said, you've got to be the best wife that you can be, but God is first. Ladies, your husband's not God, no matter what he tells you. And you follow God above anybody or anything else. There's, there'd never be in a situation where it'd be right for you to be abused, your kids to be abused, for you to be dominated or ran over in the name of submit to me and follow me, okay? So there is a time and a place when you say no. But fundamentally, I want to go back to this, let him lead. Let him lead. I guarantee you, if you will start letting your husband lead, you will pray for your husband a lot more than you're praying for him right now. You're going, oh, no, he's going to run us off a cliff. Pray for him. Pray for him. And here's another thing. Respect him. Respect him. And in, in, in verse 33, verse 33, it says, However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Listen. If you were to study data on what married couples need, what married couples want, one of the things that a man needs is respect. You want to make your marriage not very good, disrespect your husband. Now, ladies, I promise you, I'm fixing to pin your husband to the wall and hit him hard. So stay with me, okay? Have you ever heard the old philosophy question, if... If you're out in the woods, or, or, or if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it, does it make a noise? You ever heard that question before? I heard a guy say one time, if a man's alone in the woods and he speaks, and there's no woman to hear him, is he still wrong? <laughs> See, a lot of men feel that way. They, they, they don't feel respected. Another story from my early days as a pastor, I, I had a, these people didn't go to my church, but they were my friends. And... They were both very nice. I liked them both a lot, but she really dominated him. I mean, not in a mean way, but I mean, you know, he was the puppy. And she, she told me one time, she said, he'll do anything I ask, anything I want. She wasn't mean about it, but it was just very clear. She told me, she said, I could tell him that I was going to have an affair. And it said it would break his heart, but he would let me do it. And I'm thinking in my head, you know what? This is going to come upside down at some point. Time went on. I didn't see him for four or five years. I moved. They moved. Then I bumped into her one day, and she looked totally different. I mean, she looked haggard. She looked depressed. She looked worn out. I said, what is going on with you? And she said, about six months ago, my husband told me. She said, I don't love you. 
He said this to her. He said, I haven't loved you in a long time. And I don't know if I want to be with you. At this time, I don't know what happened. Never saw him again. But that he had moved out. But listen, I'm going to tell you, that didn't happen two weeks before. That happened years before. Ladies, I'm trying to help you. If you want to have a great husband, you follow God first. But then you let him be the leader. You respect him. You cannot disrespect your husband and expect to have a good husband. That men were, and again, women, I've said this before, and this is true. We are not super smart. We're not. Not when it comes to you, we're not. You don't even have to follow us. You just have to let us think that you're following us, and we'll be good. Isn't that right, men? As long as we think we've got the biggest chair and the remote, we're good. We're good. So respect us. Now let's talk about the men. Let's talk about the men. When we start talking about about the women submitting, did you notice your husband's chest got bigger? Even these guys on the front row were like, they were looking at the girls behind them and they were flexing a little bit. And because, you know, that does, I mean, you know, like Cindy said, when I read that, it's kind of like I, I'm five, nine and a half and I go like I'm six, two now. Because we misunderstand this. There was a, a book out several years ago called Men, Man of the House. And there was a, a study group of men that got together over a weekend and they read it. And it was really, it was, it was one of these over the edge about the man being the leader and dominating. And so this man comes home to his wife after reading it. And he, he sits her down and he goes, you listen to me. I'm going to be in charge from now on. Guys, this isn't how it works, by the way. When I get home from work, you're going to have dinner ready. You're going to make sure it's good, and we're going to have a multi-course meal. Then I'm going to go sit in my chair. You're going to hand me the remote. You're going to go pour the bath water for me. Then I'm going to go take a bath, and you're going to lay my clothes out. And guess who's going to dress me and comb my hair? And she said, probably the undertaker. (laughs) See, if you're a bully, it is not going to work, and you may end up... Like there was a story, you ought to come to church on Sunday night, last Sunday night. We, in the sermon, there's a story about a lady driving a peg through a man's head. By the way, that's not for you to do. It was just in the Bible, though. Isn't that interesting? And the week before that, a king stuck a, or a guy stuck a fat king in the stomach. I mean, just incredible stuff in the Bible. Um, but I don't know why I'm talking about that. That's, um, you women are going to go home and say, I can kill my husband because my preacher said to. I, I'm not saying that at all. I've lost my train of thought now. I haven't. <laughs> Okay, number one, men lead well, not perfectly, but well. Women, he can't lead perfectly. Only Jesus can lead perfectly, amen? Men, amen? Don't look for the holes in his armor. But men, come on. Come on, you want your wife to lead you. Women, listen to me, you single women. Don't marry some sissy guy who's not going to lead you when you're dating because he's not going to become Superman when he gets married. He's going to be super sissy then too. And by the way, guys, don't marry him thinking you're going to change him because you ain't. But men, you want him to follow, but how are you doing as a leader? You go, my wife needs to follow me. How do you follow the people in your life, men? Probably a lot of you, not very well. You disrespect your bosses, probably behind their back. You talk about your kids' teachers and coaches to your kids. 
That's the authorities in their life. You may not treat your wife very well and they see that. You're not respectful to the police. Kids grow up in church and they see their parents disrespect and undermine their ministers. They wonder why their kids don't want to go to church when they're older. We don't respect the leaders in our lives and then we expect our wives to follow us when we're not setting any kind of an example. Amen? That's the truth. That's tough, but it's the truth. And women, I'm like, you need to follow them. But men, be an example. Men, bring your families to church. Well, my wife doesn't want to come. You're the man. You come anyway. Well, what about the kids? You bring the kids anyway. You get up and come. Prioritize God and your family above your golf game. Above hobbies. Above fishing. Unless you're a professional fisherman who makes a living with fish. Prioritize your God and your family above everything. Men, be worth following, number one. I had all these kids up here, these parents a few minutes ago. Listen, heaven and hell is on the balance. And men, it's on you more than it is anybody else for these kids. Be worth following. Number two, love her unconditionally. Jesus' day, and if you were to listen to modern culture today, far-left liberalism today, they would tell you Christianity is oppressive, it beats down women, it beats down people. You know, most of the people that say that kind of stuff, they don't know anything about the Bible. That's like me talking about astrophysics. I mean, Jesus liberated women, man. He lived in a day when women had no rights, were, were beat down, and he comes in, and he, in this world, he tells them, you stay married to one person, and you love her unconditionally. Verse 25, husbands, love your wife. Jesus uses three illustrations as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The biblical word love here, there's four Greek words for love. New Testament's written in Greek. This is the word agape. It means an unconditional love. Men, it means that you choose to love her even when she's not lovable. Just like you need to follow him even when he's not very followable. That's not a word, but you know exactly what I was trying to say. Love her as Christ loved the church. How did Jesus love the church? Man, Jesus loved the church. He died for the church. He, gave, he left heaven to come to earth for the church. So Jesus is saying, men, you want her to follow you. Love her unconditionally. Love her sacrificially. And he doesn't stop there. In verse 28 and 29. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one hates his body, but feeds it and cares for it just as Christ does the church. You may say this morning, men, I looked at myself in the mirror and I don't love my body. I understand. That's not, but, but here's, let me tell you how you love your body. Let me pinch you real hard after church. Let us stick you in a closet somewhere and not feed you or give you anything to drink for three days. You, you have an inherent desire to take care of your body. What God's saying, man, he's saying, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Love your wife like your own body. Nourish her and take care of her and protect her. 
And in verse 33, listen to what he says. Verse 33 says, Each one must love his wife as he loves himself. The wife must respect her husband. Love his wife as himself. Anytime the Bible tells you to love something like you love yourself, here's what it means. Love them a whole, whole bunch. Because most of us are pretty narcissistic. And we love ourselves a whole, whole lot. And so what God is saying here, God is saying, men, love your wives a whole, whole bunch. Here here you go, men. Protect her. Care for her. Love her unconditionally. Cuddle up to her occasionally. That's supposed to be a joke. Men, it's harder sometimes with us for affection and cuddling. When men get together to watch a fight or something, we don't cuddle. You know, it's not part of our nature. Hey, let's go fishing and cuddle in the boat. Never. We'd have to be freezing to death. I mean, near death. We're still like little kids. You know, you got, do not come past this part of the boat right here. But women need that. And I'm speaking as a failure in many of these things. Love your wife. Love your wife. Cuddle up with her. Be affectionate. Protect her as you would yourself. Listen, it, it, it's, so, it's so interesting that, ladies, you, you would find your husband might be awesome if you would start treating him the way God wants you to treat him. And men, our wives might be a lot better if we started treating them the way God wanted us to treat them. You see, this is counterculture, isn't it? I mean, think about just the little we've seen this morning. Here's what God says. Here's marriage. It's a man and a woman who become one, husband and wife. Hopefully, it's never separated. Counterculture. The woman is to make a choice to let the husband lead. And she needs to really respect her husband. And the husband, so counterculture, especially 2,000 years ago, is to love his wife unconditionally in a way he loves even his own body. And I want to tell you, if we have those kind of marriages, that's the way we'll have success. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I would just ask you to look within and to do whatever God's laying on your heart this morning. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, would you pray with me? where you're seated, would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And today, I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart this morning. And today, I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart or you're ready to do that. When we stand this morning, I want to ask you to do the most important thing you'll ever do in your life. 
to come and seal that deal with God. Seal that deal with God. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd like to join our church. One way you can do that. When we stand, you can ease down the aisle. There will be a minister down here. We can help you. You can join this morning. We'd love for you to. Maybe today as a Christian, I want to start with, with, <clears throat> with you dads, husbands. Man, maybe you need to leave your seat this morning. Bring your wife or your kids with you. And come kneel at the altar or pray with a minister and say, God, we want to do it your way from this point on. But I challenge you, don't sit where you are. Don't stand where you are. You respond to God today. Let Him work in your life. Let's stand. We'll be waiting on you. You come.